Welcome to Just a Taste. I'm Scott Curry with Chef's Best. We gather to talk about the trends in marketing, retail, and production in food and beverage that are shaping the industry. Joining us today is award-winning journalist Yaron Reutzman. Yaron is a writer for Bleacher Report, where he covers the Knicks in the NBA. He's a former senior writer for Slam Magazine and also appeared in ESPN, The New Yorker, New York Magazine, The Ringer, SB Nation, and many other places. He hosts his own Knicks podcast for Sporto as well. Some have called needing to talk about the Knicks every day the most depressing job in sports. With that, your own welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. You're reading my bio. I was like, I he- I've heard this before, and then you added that little zing. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been, it's been a tough what thirty years, right? Yeah, uh, is that is that it? I feel like more even, but yeah, give it. You know. <laughs> Uh, so your own, we uh, we're excited to talk to you today. Uh, and if I may offer uh, a happy Rosh Hashanah to you, uh, oh, thank you. We're recording during that week, and uh, with Yom Kippur on the horizon as well. Uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about your plans around that. Um, but for our listeners, uh, we're gonna we're gonna discuss a lot of kosher food, which uh, I'm excited to learn a little bit more about, and probably you know debunk a few a few. Um, popular, you know, uh, myths out there as well around it. But why don't we start with this for our listeners? Could you describe what it means? Um, is it to eat kosher or to be kosher? Um, see, now listen, as as you're starting to ask the questions, I feel like I'm going to let down. You know, about half a dozen rabbis who taught me over the years, and they're gonna <laughs> telling me what I'm wrong over these things. Um, I think it's. Uh, I guess it's both, really. You keep kosher. I guess is the if I'm I'm thinking of the Hebrew. The Hebrew word, and I think it'd be to translate it. I think it would be to keep kosher. Would be the uh, or to observe kosher would be the way to do to go about it. Okay, all right. So what what uh, what is what is required for one to keep kosher? Um, the basics are you know there are a few basics people kind of know right. You don't mix meat and dairy foods. Um, you to keep the which which animals are kosher like cows are kosher you know the an animal has to have split hooves and chew its own cud um if you want to kind of google what chew its own cud means then go ahead i don't really know how to better describe that maybe you guys do it's something that animals do and my understanding is that the why behind that it's that it's one of those rules that we don't really know the actual why it's just one of those things in the bible that we keep so it doesn't really, there's no really good answer to the follow-up to that. But that would be the basics for the animals. Fish need to have uh, fins and scales. I think that pretty much mostly covers the super, super, super basics. Okay. All right. So fish need to have fins and scales. So yeah. So it's like salmon, no, yes, no sh- lobster, no. You know? <laughs> okay. Got it. Got it. Um, so no shellfish, I suppose that would That, that would be, be that's, that that's well. a no-no, yeah, which I hear I'm missing out on. Okay, uh, and you mentioned it, but you're not uh, not entirely sure where the um, kind of the, the the distinctive belief comes from and where the practice originated. I mean, if we're gonna go like super, uh, you know, Hebrew school, there you know there are certain verses in the Bible that it, that rabbis pick them up from, you know, and that's alluded from. One is like, don't uh, I, I believe it's a goat and it's milk, a goat its own milk or something like that. Again, I'm going to embarrass a bunch of rabbis, here, but, <laughs> but, but it's something like that. And it just, that got kind of extrapolated into, we don't mix meat and dairy. And the why of that is there's no, there's no, there's some theories, but they're kind of in Judaism. I think pretty much the way you put it is they're 
to there's these rules and they kind of break into two different categories. One category is the stuff that we do, but we don't know why, and that would fall into that. Okay, so uh, there's about somewhere around seven million American Jews, which is uh, it, it sounds like a lot, but it's it's actually only about two, maybe two and a half percent of the American population, which is uh, which is a low number. Um, surprised me when I learned that um, I, I grew up in Boston uh, on a street that was uh, primarily Jewish. So I think I thought I thought everyone was. They all I know they all got. <laughs> I know I was the only one that had to go to go to school a couple of days, but um, so is it a challenge? So I assume that you and your family keep kosher all year, correct? Yeah, this is like you know I'm gonna I'm, I'm sure there would be people you know more observant than me who would say I don't keep kosher because I'm sure we'll get into some of the things that I I guess some of the uh, leniencies I adopt, but yeah, I would say for the most part, yeah. Sure. So do you find it a challenge at all uh, when it comes to shopping, eating out? Uh, yeah, I know well, you're in New York. You're in New York and there's a higher concentration of, of, of Jewish folks in New York. We know that. But um, what, what are some of those challenges like? Yeah, I mean, it's like it's just looking at ingredients or, you know, not being able to get things. Well, here, I'll tell you one challenge, not a challenge. One thing I miss out on is I do some traveling for work. And, you know, one of the perks, I think, of being a sports writer, you know, sports writers will tell you is you kind of get to sample foods in other cities. You know, so you go to uh, mm. Memphis and you find a good barbecue spot or what, something like that. Um, I don't get to enjoy that part. So that kind of stinks. I wouldn't say it's a challenge. It just kind of stinks. The challenge for me is just finding food that's kosher or fits what I deem, you know, acceptable for my standards. And that is, so I can't just show up to a restaurant and say, here, I'm going to get this and this. It's a little more challenging than that. So yeah, in terms of shopping, looking at the back ingredients, I mean, if you, most things have a label where it says, you know, people have probably seen it, the OU or whatever, um, kind of labels or stamps on there that deem the things kosher. But yeah, it is uh, certainly not easy and probably not so enjoyable. And do, I'm not trying to stoke any controversy here. Oh, but please do you, go ahead. Do you generally feel that the the food and beverage industry is is serving the kosher population well, or or would you like to see that they? Oh, I don't know. Um, put a stamp on things more, offer more variety. Uh, no, it's pretty good. I think I think like you know, my grandparents would, or parents, you know, would say this is unbelievable. We have the options we have now compared to you know twenty, thirty, forty years ago, and even you know, for someone like me who maybe I don't necessarily need a stamp, but I I'm comfortable looking at ingredients and saying, okay, there's nothing, you know, so I'll be oversimplification. There's no bacon in here, therefore I'm good, right? So, in like nowadays with the health craze and vegan and vegetarians and gluten free and all, all that people have to be mm. so careful it makes it much much easier mm-hmm. i suppose uh you know just the the whole idea of dietary restrictions i guess i'll i'll, I'll call it um yep it has become you know kind of normalized uh, i think i think 20 30 years ago if you said oh i don't eat this i don't eat that you'd get eye rolls a waiter think, would look at you like you're crazy <laughs> right whereas now you almost you ask people if you're gonna have i know when we have uh, folks over to our house for you know whatever post youth sporting event party that we throw mm-hmm. um you know we just ask are there any dietary restrictions and and uh and it's almost become yeah i would say it's it's normal and and not um 
said, it, I think it probably used to get eye rolls. Have you found there a overall broader cultural shift? Um, I, I guess kosher is a little bit different because it has thousands of years of history to it. It's not just a new, newfangled thing related to, uh, you know, gluten-free and, you know, there's still science that needs to come out on that. Or or has it, has it just traditionally been, you know, fairly easy to navigate? Um, it's gotten easier again, like that, like you said, that kind of, that's what, if I'm, you know, if I'm going out somewhere a non-kosher place, you know, I, I kind of, I, it's, I don't, I don't tell a waiter I'm kosher, just, you know, I have dietary restrictions, like you said, and that's kind of the umbrella I fall under and makes it much, much easier to answer your question. Yeah. You don't get eye rolls. It's normal. I can ask, you know, is there uh you know, is this cooked with bacon? I'll use bacon again as the taboo example, since everyone knows, understands that one. Um, and uh, it's, it's simple and kind of much easier than I think my parents would have had it, you know, 30 years ago. What, what do you, what do you do? What do you do if you accidentally cross the line and, uh, and fail to keep kosher? Uh, is there any, is there any penance or do you just, Oops. I, uh, <laughs> are, you, are you picturing like in was it Da Vinci Code where the dude's like like what was he using the things to give himself lashes on the back? No, I mean it's not. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's an oops again. It's like I'm not like I'm not. I don't want to hold myself up. I am far from the uh, you know perfect here or even striving that I'd be perfect there. Um, no, you just do your best. That's the way I kind of adopted. Um, that's my you know, outlook on religion, essentially, which again, sure. maybe some would disagree with, but it just, you do your best and do what you're comfortable with. And yeah, there are times where I'm been upset at myself about something, you know, or, you know, uh, somebody, somebody, or be upset at the counter woman who gave me chicken salad instead of tuna salad. And, you know, the chicken wasn't kosher, tuna was, and, you know, that's, I'll curse her for a minute under my breath. But no, other than that, yeah, nothing, uh, no, yeah, he just, he kind of, that's the way I look at it. I'm sure some, you know, there are plenty of people who would, do something different, um, react differently. That's kind of how I look at it. Is it just, I do my best and yeah, I assume that's okay with a big guy. I don't know. Mm. And, and so you, uh, are there other NBA players that, that practice Judaism? Uh, practice Judaism. No, I guess the closest would be, um, Omri Kasky. I don't know if he's actually an NBA player anymore. He was cut last year. Um, he was on the war. He's an Israeli. Um, I don't, I've heard different, um, in terms of what his level of observance is. I mean, it was, everyone knows Amari Stoudemire, right? Everyone knows that one. He claims he kept oh, yeah. and everything. Yeah. Um, I don't, I think Amari, I, I don't think he was doing this like what he thought he was doing. I don't think he was misleading anyone on purpose, but I don't think, uh, I think he was just interested in big ideas and didn't really understand what he was saying. Um, you know, right. he did not keep kosher. The closest would probably be like Ennis Cantor, who's a, uh, he eats halal food. Which is, uh, yeah, he's an observant Muslim. Um, that would probably be the closest, mm. which is, I guess, kind of ironic. But yeah. So with uh, Yom Kippur's coming up, I believe that fasting is required, correct? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, we'll say, I guess, required in nowadays, you know, how you look at it. But yes, it is, uh, if you're going by the traditional sense, yes. Okay. Uh, so I'll attempt to put you on the record. Do you fast during it? Uh, I do, yes. Okay. So how do you approach that? Um, do you just go cold turkey? And just, yeah, I cry. Uh, no, <laughs> so I don't handle it well. It's kind of like, it, it, I hate fast because like for me, they're like three day events. Essentially, there's a day before, there's a day of, which obviously, you know, uh, sucks for lack of a better word. Um, then I got to kind of prepare my bike. I'll drink, you know, water, 1500 cups of water the day before and I'll go to the bathroom every five minutes just to hydrate myself and stuff myself the day before with like chicken and rice 
mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And then afterwards, yeah, lots, you know, and then the next day it kind of takes my stomach a day to, uh, not to get too personal, but a day to recover yeah. from the whole two-day ordeal. So, yeah, not fun, but I guess, right, maybe I get some good points upstairs, so who knows. It's interesting. So I, I, I would have thought it would be easier to ease into it and I guess each day approaching just eat a little less because I, I know if I pig out the next day, I definitely need to pig out, right? Because I don't know. Uh, like, <laughs> so, uh, but it sounds like you, you kind of fill the tank. Um, yeah, by the way, you might be completely right. I have no science behind what I'm doing. <laughs> so maybe it could be, I could be completely wrong and just harming myself and doing the opposite of what you're supposed to do. But hey, right? <laughs> Why let science get in the way? Oh, cool. Um, so let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, y- y- you know, you write, you know, about the NBA, but NFL and, and many other places. So um, what's kind of intriguing you out there right now in the sports world? Uh, it's a good question. I mean, so it's, it's funny cause I cover mostly NBA NFL less. So from an outside, I'm just fascinated by the NFL sociologically, mm-hmm. um, probably to cover that every day. It could probably be exhausting, but it's just such a mirror of America these days between the Trump stuff and the kneeling and concussions and big government, big corporations, excuse me, big business and owner. It just, there's so many different themes flying around there, management and labor. Um, I find that kind of interesting, but I also like this, you know, and I like sports and writing about big ideas and people, but I also love the games. Um, so I'm interested to see, you know, that, I mean, that's kind of that. There's the actual sports aspect of it, which I guess football season starting now. And whereas basketball, we kind of know who's going to win the championship this year. Football, we do not. Um, so there's always, I'm intrigued by that. As for basketball, I just love watching the players. And I, I just find, I find the, the, I guess the athleticism, what they can do, incredible and the personality is fascinating. I guess that would be my kind of summary on that. Yeah, it is interesting that it, it, it I think with the merging of entertainment, sports, which I think at this point we're ready to accept that sports is presented now as entertainment. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think any of us appreciate the competitive nature about it. I don't question the desire of any of the athletes, but it is presented as entertainment now. Yep. Um, it's really blurred the lines where, where it, it it's like a blend of ath- athleticism and the rawness of that competition, entertainment, and almost you know, reality TV, right? It, 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 it's like these athletes are, are almost a part of our lives and they're so influential. I mean, if they say something, whether it's about politics or they alter their fashion, I mean, it, it literally sends shockwaves through the entire culture now. Um, is that just a product of, you know, just the ubiquity of media these days? Uh, is it, do you think it's fulfilling a deeper desire that we have? Um, cause it's just, it's just completely different than I know when, when, you know, of the age, when we grew up, it was just, it was just sport, right? It just existed as sport. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I feel like, I think social media plays a major role, right? These guys are now, you know, they don't, they can communicate how they want through their own means. Um, I, the NBA is what you, it's a, definitely a reality show or it's, I mean, or male soap opera could be the way you could put it. Mm. I mean, men, men don't want to watch the bachelor, but they watch the NBA. Um, and obviously I'm, you know, typecasting and 
NBA. Plenty of women watch NBA too, but it's just, it's a different kind of thing. And you, you follow it now and like some of the stuff I have to write, which is not always my favorite, but like gossip and rumors and, you know, this guy said this. And it's like, it really is. It's like, and my, my wife watches The Bachelor and I make fun of her and then I'm thinking, it's really the same thing half the time. Obviously, it's different in terms of competition when the games are actually going on, but it's not, it's not, <laughs> there's a lot of similarities. And the players, I think, are happy. I'll say the, M- the NBA is very different, so I'll put that in its own bubble, but the players are really happy to be celebrities and to be out there and be their own brands and to be Instagramming from, you know, I see now for my job, I'm kind of follow these guys and I'll check their Instagram videos. One of the ways I get um, story ideas and they're all posting from New York Fashion Week, you know, and they're like, they're all there. Um, and it's, it's interesting. So it's definitely, that part has definitely changed where, and I think that this is happening while the Warriors are kind of taking over the league and have essentially made it where we know who's going to win the championship. Um, it kind of seems like that part has overtaken for many the idea of what actually takes place on the court. Do you think that the athletes are a hundred percent aware of that or like, is it the Truman show where they don't, they're just going about themselves and being themselves and and we're watching and they don't know we're watching at that level or are they a hundred percent aware that they're really part of really it's, it's almost the drama right it's even in the game it's drama it's you know the uh you know can he hit this big shot finally you know it's almost it's almost not about the winning it's about the individuals i think it's sometimes are they do you think that they're 100 percent aware of that at this point i think so yeah i mean like the best example is like you know the kevin durant stuff right for those who i guess don't know he's you know second best player in the league and he's been outed a few times doing either fake accounts that were clearly his or just his accounts kind of going at fans going out essentially with trolls right saying he's not good or whatever and kind of going back at them and he he's clearly shown that he's someone who cares and is aware and worried about what people think about him what the public thinks about him which is a different kind of thing and i'm not sure i don't want to say it used to not be the case because maybe it was we just didn't the players didn't have that sort of or i guess we as the public didn't have that sort of access to the players but i think they're very aware and i, I don't think they're doing it i don't think it's an act i think it's completely genuine um but i think they're very aware and into the whole narrative of the of the sport they get it. Yeah, we actually had uh, Kevin's uh, private chef on here. Um, Ryan Lopez is his name. Okay. And uh, so br- bringing that full circle here, uh, there seems to be a newfound affinity, or maybe it's not new and it's just being discussed now, um, about the NBA players. Is, a lot of them are kind of becoming foodies. Are, um, you know, if you ever told me that, NBA players would be uh, on Instagram sharing photos of of them drinking, you know, certain wines. And mm-hmm. I mean, right, because sports, sports, was it's masculinity, right? It's, you know, it's Babe Ruth drinking his beers and, um, and, and doing other things that were socially acceptable at the time. And now you have uh, these absolute elite ath- athletes that are just incredibly, incredibly competitive. I mean, there's just no denying that. Um, you know, discussing the finer points of a Pinot. Um, <laughs> do you, have you found uh, that shift where NBA players are are said kind of becoming foodies? And, and um, I don't know. I don't know if it's just embracing more Epicurean side or what it is, but um, I, I, it seems like in the last year and a half, there's been a shift regarding that. The masculinity, I hadn't thought of it like that, but it's an interesting thing you say. I think we kind of, I mean, that's a definitely, it's, 
I guess I would phrase it like this. They sort of represent and it's, we're kind of see through the NBA how the idea of what masculinity is for greater American society has changed, right? So it's players talking about their feelings mm. and, you know, dressing differently, right? And caring about your fashion and, and you know, being into these sort of cooking and food and things are probably once deemed quote-unquote woman things, right? And that's mm. all changed. And, like, and these guys, I, I mean, that's kind of cool what sports is, right? It, it, it mirrors society and it kind of gives us an idea. If you look back 20, 30 years, I guess, through each decade, you can kind of get an idea of what society was like through sports, right? It doesn't mean that's always the case, but to use the NBA example, Allen Iverson, he, 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 um, right. baggy clothes and cornrows, he was considered a thug. That was an issue, right? And the NBA had to kind of, they wanted him to dress. They changed the dress code essentially because guys were dressing like that. They didn't want them to be like, look like thugs. That was an issue. You know, you can kind of get an idea of what America looked like then compared to now. Uh, so there's definitely that part. Um, in terms of the other interest, I just think, again, it's it's not to kind of fall back on the same one. Social media, is a, I mean, I don't have to tell you this, man, right? It's a game changer in terms of this stuff. In terms of this, everyone, it's I guess NBA players do it, but so do, I don't know, my sister-in-law's you know, husband, you know, whoever. Right. Like, it just, everyone does it. You go through, everyone's Instagramming their meal and doing hashtag whatever and becomes interested in this stuff. And it's just a different world. And NBA players are no different, I guess, would be how I put that. Right. Well, perhaps we just stumbled on your latest feature article, which is there you a, go. You know, NBA through the decades, a reflection of society. Um, all right. Well, I want to appreciate you and thank you for, for coming on, um, sharing a little bit about kosher foods. I learned, I just didn't, I just I think I had some random ideas of what, what, uh, keeping kosher might be. Um, I'm going to add one thing. I'm going to cut you off. There is no rabbi who blesses anything. I'll put the, that is the equivalent of, uh, we're on a podcast. I can say whatever I want. That's the equivalent of a sex through a sheet. That stuff does not happen. So that's good to know. That yeah, that is one that I heard. Okay, yeah, that would that would uh, you know be, be a challenge to have that done done. <laughs> um, well, excellent. I understand that you have a newborn too. So congratulations on that. Appreciate. It. Thank you. And uh, NBA season will be starting up soon. I'm sure we'll be busy, but yeah, um, enjoy it. We'll see where the Knicks end up and. Uh, uh, well, how do I say it here? Happy, happy Yom Kippur, is it? Uh, I don't what, know what, happy, what would be the better uh, way? What, have what an easy fast. Be? Have an easy fast. Have an easy fast. All right, you're on. Have an easy fast, and thanks for coming on. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on Just a Taste, a Chef's Best production. Join us again next time as we talk to more experts in marketing, retail, and production in the food and beverage industry. You can always visit us at chefsbest.com to learn more.